Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, this is Joel. Lynn and I want to let you know about a change coming to the Unveiling Grace podcast. For those of you who listen to us on KUTR Radio in Utah on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., we will be moving to a new time on Saturday mornings, 10.30 a.m. And now, welcome to this week's episode. To help you understand Lisa's story, we are starting with the last few minutes of last week's episode. And I just sat there for 20 minutes in sheer terror, like tears just streaming down my face. I don't know how to defend this. Mm. And I know that it's true. But, oh my gosh, I felt like whatever foundation I had created turned to quicksand, and I was just in a free fall. And I got out of the car with snow coming down, and I just thought, this is winter. Like, I don't know. Surely, though, if I, I can defend this, I know I can. And so, but he planted a seed that day. Such a powerful seed. Yeah. That you can tell details like that. My hand was on the yes, door. Yes. It was snowing. Yes. Right. Yeah. And God's experiences are just that powerful. They are. Absolutely. So, you start researching? <laughs> so, not right away. I thought, like so many Mormons, when they swing to the opposite pendulum, right. I could just be agnostic. If this thing proves not to be true, I could just be agnostic. And then I was like, hmm. Over a month, Gary left for Christmas to Idaho where he lived. So I had a month almost before he returned. And I okay. was like, I can't think about this. I cannot go here. This is too scary. And so we... <laughs> He came home and he's like, Lise, let's just start doing Bible study together. You believe in the Bible. I was like, as far as it's trans- translated correctly, <laughs> but I can translate it correctly because I'm a Mormon. And so, and I really thought. <laughs> that's a classic line. Uh, yes. That's great. So I just thought, okay, I don't have to fear that. And I really want to prove him wrong. I really want to defend my faith. And I know right. that it will stand against all odds. I really had been told that I believe that mm-hmm. and so Gary set out to convert me and I set out to convert Gary and over the first five months of that journey my eyes were completely closed I could not see up from down but we started and I remember on our first study Gary talking about God and the nature of God we were doing a study about marriage and relationships okay. because we really were into each other. And so what it did, though, is it brought in the nature of God. Who is God? Who are we? And what is man's nature? And where are we going? And what part does relationship play in this? And so he brought in this idea of this Trinitarian God. And I'm like, you're kookaloo. You're crazy. I can't wrap my mind around that. Yeah. And then the next time he talked about our nature being sinful, he said, Lise, you have a sinful nature. And I was like, 
<laughs> no, I don't. Like, and these claws prove it. Oh, claws came out. Uh, uh, so it was like one doctrine after the next. Where it was, it was 180 degrees from what I believed to be true my whole life. And yeah. I was like, "This is in the Bible? Where? Where is that?" I was like, "I can't believe that's in the Bible." So that's where we began. And for five months, my eyes were—I was blinded to see anything that he, the Bible, was saying could be true. And Lisa, mm-hmm. guess what? This just turned into a two-part story. It did. Because <laughs> I just got the, like, oh, five-minute okay. warning two, three minutes ago. All right. So, and I can already tell from how you're going that there is a lot of great stuff still in this story. I know. I so can't believe it, can so we, much Can we do a part two? By. Absolutely. Are you open to that? Okay. That. In that case, we're going to say... Hey, y'all, join us next time because Lisa's going to be with us for a part two. You get to hear the rest of the story. Um, so is Gary your husband now? No, he's not. <laughs> That's a good okay, story, so Now you going. have reason to come back. Oh, now you have reason so to come back. Um, so we're going to invite you back. <laughs> and now join Lisa Brockman, Lynn Wilder, and myself for part two of Lisa's story. So I guess one of the things I would like to say for the people that are listening, because the Trinity is difficult, and that is that even if Christians who have been raised in biblical faith, if they're honest, they will say they don't totally comprehend the Trinity either, because we're talking about an infinite God, and we are both finite and fallen people. And so anybody who says to me, well, I totally get the Trinity then I say, I don't think you know the Trinity because our infinite God is so big. He's so much beyond me. And frankly, I don't want to feel like I totally get God. Now, can I understand him? Can I have a relationship with him? Absolutely. And that's, I guess, what we'd like to say is you don't have to totally understand the Trinity. In fact, you can be totally confused on the Trinity and still enter into personal intimate relationship with God, know that your sins are forgiven, know that you are accepted and worthy in his sight because of what Jesus has done to you. You can have all that be real in your life and totally transform your life Mm -hmm. without having a grasp on the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And I hope any pastors that are listening to me don't think that's heresy because it is important and we should probably do a Grace in the Trinity episode <laughs> for people at some point yeah. just just to talk about that. So so that's that's where you're at, right? You're yeah. you're being drawn into relationship with Christ. By this God who's a boundless mystery. Yes. Yet has brought himself to Emmanuel, God with me. Hmm. And I had never encountered that kind of a God in my life. Yeah. Wow. And so it's this relational God who's always been in relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit at the center of the universe, inviting me into their community of love. I knew nothing about that. Heavenly Father was on some planet with Heavenly Mother populating it. Yeah. That was the level of intimacy I had with my God. Mm. So it changed everything for me. So I'm ex- I'm excited to hear in what ways or how this God manifested himself that was personal for you. Okay. Over the next 16 months, I called Gary right away, right after I trusted Christ and his sister and their whole family was just having a party. And Gary was in (laughs) California still. 
So, of course, I didn't run and tell my parents, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> and I then didn't know how to tell my parents. And I had these areas of my life where addictions had formed. And guys yeah. were one of them. And alcohol was another. And tennis was another, my identity. Mm-hmm. And so I, so many athletic injuries brought my tennis career to an end by the end of my sophomore year. So I entered my sophomore wow. year and um, still dating Gary, but suddenly the partying wasn't having the same effect that it had. <laughs> no longer was it just empty fun and I felt no guilt afterwards. Mm. Suddenly there was a deep conviction that this <laughs> isn't right. We're not yeah. supposed to be doing this. And Gary was experiencing it too, but I had no power to change that. Right. And so I went throughout the next year with Gary living the same lifestyle. So I was not at a place of totally surrendering these little gods, so to speak, or these idols to my new God, but God was exposing them for how weak and small they are and how lifeless they are to my soul. Mm. And so at the end of my sophomore year, Gary took me to a meeting on campus called Campus Crusade for Christ. (laughs) And I was like, what is that? And I go, I had gone with him to church. He went to to a little Bible church, and I just felt like such a fish out of water. That's a whole context. That's a whole other story. So we go to this crew meeting, and all these kids are singing and clapping and standing on chairs and worshiping Jesus. And I'm like, wow, what is this? People do this. And then those staff people were like ticks on a dog with me. They'd heard this Mormon came to Christ, get her. And so one of the women took me through follow-up with crew. They're basic five Bible studies about who I am in Christ. I'm like, I'm going to walk with the Lord. And then I started dating this, broke up with Gary, started dating this pagan football player. And that was that relationship for the next five months brought me to the end of myself, I would say. And mm-hmm. I became so, and this Campus Crusade staff woman was chasing me around the University of Utah campus all fall. I'm like, they, they get paid to do this? Why does she want to <laughs> be with me so badly? Because I'm still partying. Yeah. But I know this is not the life I want. I just don't know how to get the life. And what characterized that, that 16 months is that God never left me. He was always with me. Yeah. And I never had a God like that. Because yeah. my Mormon God would have been hightailing it out of my presence. <laughs> I could not have been more unworthy mm-hmm. of his presence. And he was always there in the morning after. I'm still here. I still yeah. am crazy about you. Mm. And I went to the ends of the earth to get you. And I'm like, why do you stay? Because I love you every yeah. morning after. And I'm like, how does this happen? And that 16 months changed me where I went out for my 21st birthday trying not to go out. And my girlfriends came at 10 o'clock at night, literally dressed me out of my pajamas. I'm like, I'm not going. It's like I was just living in my own strength, trying to stop these ways of life that were preventing me from really flourishing in my relationship with God. And so we go, we're at bars all night long, and it did, I drank so much alcohol, like eight beers, six shots, and I couldn't get a buzz. 
So I had to be present all night long. And I really think the Holy Spirit just intervened because <laughs> that had never been an issue. And so gross guys are picking up on me who just want something from me. My girlfriends are throwing up. I'm like babysitting all night. Yeah. Um, I came home and I just fell on my bed. And I didn't know what I was doing, except just, I just said, you've got to take away my desire for guys, my desire for alcohol, change my language. Like it was so dirty. Everything about me had gone so dark. And as I read the book of Hosea, chapter two in the Old Testament, it captures where God let me go as this, this lover of lovers who would let me go to the wilderness and hedge me in so that the life I was experiencing, they say, give me my wine, give me my jewelry, give me anything. I want those because they bring me instant gratification instead of you. And he just says, and in there he says, but me, you forgot. Mm. And that's the lover our God is. Yeah. And he let me go as far as I would. So I'm face down on my bed. I'm like, God, you have to take away this desire, this desire, just weeping. And I woke up and it's like he'd done a heart transplant. All mm. my addictions were gone, chains off. Wow. And that was December 20th of 1980, 1990. And I'd gone to crew. So I knew there was this conference <laughs> happening with Campus Crusade in Oregon. And I just wanted to go be with people who loved this God and wanted to worship this God that I had encountered. And so I tell my parents there's a van from BYU going with six students. I didn't say that part, but there is. It's an <laughs> yes. interdenominational conference. And I go up to this conference and Dr. Bill Bright comes, the founder of Campus Crusade. Yes. It's crew He's amazing. now. Yeah. Amazing man. And so he gives a talk. And at the end, he just invited us to come help change the world. And something in me was so moved. And I knew, yes, this is what I want to do the rest of my life, bring people to this Jesus. Mm. And so I was like, crud, I got to go home and tell my family I'm a Christian. <laughs> and that struck terror into me. Well, yeah. Now, at this point, has your lifestyle changed enough that your parents are noticing she's not no. doing as much? It, at this point, it I hasn't. Mean, this it's still... was six days, and then I went to the conference. Oh, wow. My so this is was right December after. 20th. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then it was a radical shift. I think what was so radically shifting in me was not only were my addictions no longer in power over me, but I, had a, I was compelled to love like I'd never been compelled to love. Wow. I've been so caved in on myself, as St. Augustine says. And it's like Jesus began to straighten me up toward him overnight. And suddenly I had this desire to love my parents and love my family and no longer have it be about me circling around my passions, my mm -hmm. desires, getting myself satiated in whatever way. And so I came home and I was just hoping somebody would confront me, but my family's not confrontative. <laughs> and they knew I went there. My dad even called up at the hotel and oh, had them track me down. And he just was, he was desperate. By what authority are they speaking to you? And why are you doing this? So he was concerned that you were at a non-Mormon yeah. religious yes, conference. Yes, that wow, really okay. struck a chord in him. Because everybody just kind of avoided things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so nobody would confront me. 
And uh, so a couple of weeks after I returned, I made an appointment to go to lunch with my parents. And to manage the situation, I chose this really small Japanese restaurant because I just thought this is going to be the tempest. And to manage some of the outburst, I need to find a public place. And that's small. And I thought, Asian. Asian is good because they're not expressive like we are in America. (laughs) No Latino places. They're expressive. (laughs) So it was very strategic. I have compassion for my parents that that's where they heard the news. I think it would be very hard if my child was coming to tell me news like that to be in that setting. But that's all I could do. And so I remember at one point in the lunch... I just looked at him. I said, Mom and Dad, I've placed my trust in Jesus Christ alone for my eternal life. And my mom just screamed, you've left us. You've left the family. And then, like, See, they say yeah. we believe that, but they know they don't. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, my, and it's so, I mean, every time I hear it, it's like a dagger to my heart heart because there's so much outward affirmation of Jesus. I love Jesus. And yet time after time after time, and I'm sure Lynn has watched and heard this happen too, where somebody comes to faith in Christ. And the only thing that's changed is I don't buy into this particular set of religious whatever I still love God in fact I'm more committed to Jesus I'm more committed to God I'm more committed to living a holy life now for the right reasons and yet that's not what's important at the end of the day Mm -hmm. to somebody in a performance-based religious group right it's the group yes wow so your mother says you've left us Uh so what's the rest of the story The next 18 months were very tumultuous. My mom went into a depression. She became suicidal. It was Mm. like for her, I I mean, it was the ultimate desolation. And I got really involved with Campus Crusade and they became my family. Like they were just a... You were still living at home? No, I had moved out and my parents Mm. were paying my rent. And so that was tenuous because I was like, who knows? Um, And so with my dad, his approach to me was more the intellectual approach. Let's talk scripture. Let's. And that's just a losing battle in any way. There were too many emotions and we see things so differently. And I didn't believe in the Joseph Smith translation. So that just makes everything. And I was in a cult to them. And so we like we went up to the institute of religion and it was myself and my dad and this man who had influ helped resource me this ex-mormon man and then the pastor of the little bible church i was going to to pray and then the president the director of the institute and my dad and so i'm sitting there this 21 year old girl with all these men and we're gonna like hash out the bible It was just crazy. Like, when I look back, the things that we did to seek to, you know, they were just doing everything they could to win me back. And I was gone. And Gary, my ex-boyfriend, like, he became demonized. And to this day, I pretty much 
that's their view of Gary. It's just so hard for them. And then here's the other thing that's incredible is that I was victimized by Gary in their vision of things. Mm-hmm. I didn't make a choice. Mm-hmm. It's like they can't see. I thought this through. I was thoughtful. I researched my tail off. And the, the, right. dual is a, the dualistic thinking where, oh, you've been taken over and now you're the child of darkness. Um, yeah, but, you know, there was a grace. This is where grace just blew my mind. I, I went into my mom's therapist. My mom and dad were seeing a Mormon therapist who'd been in working for 30 years as a therapist in Utah, and I'm sure not seeing Christians. And so he asked me to come in so he could treat my mom better or in a better way. And so I'm like, Jesus, 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 this baby (laughs) Christian, all things Jesus. And at the end of my story, he said, you know, nobody was created to go through what you're going through with your parents right now. And yet you're one of the most psychologically healthy people that's been in my office. And I'm just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) And he said, let's talk about forgiveness. And I said, okay. And he said, that's probably going to be your biggest struggle. And I said, I have forgiven them. And he said, he didn't believe me because Mormons don't know complete forgiveness and they don't practice it the ones I know and my family certainly didn't well even if they do the list it's not a heart thing right and so he talked to me for about 10 more minutes he said you have forgiven them and he was mystified and he told my parents my mom told me a year and a half later before we moved to Florida she said he told her I've, in my 30 years of counseling, never met someone so committed to her family and so committed to Jesus Christ. You need to let her walk the path she's walking. Wow. Right? (laughs) And I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. (laughs) So. Did that have any kind of positive impact? It helped. My mom said at that point, she had been in a dark depression for six months. And at that point, she said it just changed her attitude where she had to begin to reevaluate. And so 18 months, and then I married my campus director who of my campus <laughs> ministry. <laughs> I was and, waiting to hear who yes. that knight in shining armor would be. And we moved be. to Orlando, <laughs> and that's when we could breathe yeah. and exhale. Wow. We just needed wow. the space. So, Lisa, your book is coming out, hopefully sometime this summer. Um, We'll definitely let people know via the podcast when that happens. In fact, if we can arrange it, we'll try to have this air sometime close to when the book's coming out. We'll see what we do. Or air it again. Right. Yeah. Or actually, maybe what I want, what I'm thinking I want to do is air these (laughs) and then like do one related to the book and have her kind of intro the book and maybe tell a little bit of her story in context because this is just an incredibly powerful testimony of God's grace and healing and I'm sure there's probably a lot more that you could share so what's the name of the book so people can kind of be watching for it the name of the book is out of Zion meeting Jesus in the shadow of the Mormon temple Wow okay out of Zion out of Zion meeting Jesus in the shadow of the Mormon temple yes see by Lisa Brockman. Brock- Brockman. Brockman. I was going to say Brockton. I knew Brockton was Brockman. Brockman. Okay. M-A-N. I'm thinking I would love to do one 
where we talk about how the books came to be, right? And how oh, God opened so, doors, oh, closed to others, arranged circumstances. That would be so fun. Oh, that would be a that great be episode. And what he does with it, right? Because it's his work. Yes, You've surrendered your life to him. Work. It's his life, and he. Yeah. That would does be so fun. Yeah. And if there's been a common theme as we've talked to, especially former Mormons who have made this transition out, the common theme is this. When you surrender your life to Christ, when you trust the God of the Bible to be the good and sovereign God that he is, the dreams he has for your life that maybe you didn't even realize suddenly start to become unfolded. And sometimes they don't happen immediately because he wants to see that trust. And when we were talking to Lila, this came, I mean, she, clean bedrooms and bathrooms and toilets before even entering into like some of the ministry with Adam's Road. But her heart was, God, whatever, I'm yours. You've saved me, I'm yours. And so the encouragement is, there is everything to be had in surrendering to this God of grace who loves you, who pursues you. Um, and I love you, you said it every time it was the morning after that same God was there saying, I still love you and I'm still here. Just, just come to me and trust me with who you are, mm. and the dreams. And oh, I mean, we've done your story, and I'm not, we're going to hear more about how that happened with you, and just the dreams he releases us Aww. into to impact other people is just amazing. So, That's stunning. Thank you for encouraging us with that, and so. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and as always. Well, like I said before. They may have been my dreams previous to salvation, but after salvation, I believe God planted the desires in my heart and they were His. Mm -hmm. And so then your heart becomes aligned with His will. Yes. And then things really open up. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So we've had another wonderful podcast and we'll see Lisa again, hopefully. I'm, yeah, absolutely. We'll Thank figure out a way to make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. So wonderful. And Happy I'm, to hear from you. We'd love yeah. to hear from you, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, Lynn at unveilinggracepodcast.com, right? Yep. And um, Joel at unveilinggracepodcast.com. Certainly go to unveilinggracepodcast.com. And if you're just joining us and you're catching the second part, you can get the first part of Lisa's story at unveilinggracepodcast.com. Or on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, we're there Mm -hmm. too. So thanks again for being with us. Be blessed. Yep. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.